I'm John. I'm Paul. I'm George. And I play the drums. From Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, it's Get Back to the Beatles with Chachi LaPrette. And Chachi's co-host, Beatles instructor at Suffolk University, David Galan. Hello, 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 everybody. It's me, your Beatle pal, Chachi LaPrette, and welcome to Get Back to the Beatles on the Boston Podcast Network at Pod617.com. That's where we originate from, but... Wherever you hear podcasts, you can find our podcast called Get Back to the Beatles. And I'm here, and uh, along with uh, my famous co-host, Mr. David Gallant, the Beatles professor at Suffolk University in Boston. Hello, David. Hello, Chachi. I'm glad that I've migrated to famous away from infamous. That's correct. I have uh, agreed to do that for you. And, of course, if you perhaps you don't know me, I've had a Beatles radio show in Boston for well over 20 years uh, called Breakfast with the Beatles, on in three, three New England states, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine. And I also have this little podcast called Get Back to the Beatles. We've been on for like two years now, and we have yeah. a, a great following, a loyal following, and we do want to thank our sponsors. We're brought to you in part by Subaru of New England and Rain, the Beatles tribute, coming to the Hanover Theater in Worcester, Massachusetts on March 10th, the show that I will be emceeing, Professor Gallant. Perfect. Because the guys from Rain are dear friends, and whenever they come to town, um, I emcee. But they're playing, like, in New Bedford. They're playing at the Hanover Theater in Worcester. They're playing in Lynn at the Memorial Auditorium. So they're making the rounds, but I'm, I think I'm just hosting the Worcester show. You'll probably see our friend, uh, Professor Stephen Minichello. Yes, in Worcester. he will be there as well, I am sure, since he lives out there. And today's show, we are going to take a look at uh, one of, uh, listen, in the Beatles world, their wives played a large role in their success. Not necessarily in building su- success, but to sustaining and moving on to solo careers. I think everyone short of Ringo, you know, wrote songs about their wives. Certainly George did about Patty. Yep. And uh, certainly John did uh, extensively about Yoko. It seems like every song he wrote to Yoko was an apology. <laughs> he did a lot of apologizing in songs to Yoko. Their, their wives and their wags, as the current, uh, uh, the, the current uh, uh, phrase might be, right? Because uh, Paul certainly had, has a whole body of work uh, devoted to Jane Asher, you know, That's his correct. girlfriend. Uh, right. So, I mean, yes, uh, very much uh, uh, important uh, influences in their works. And... Uh, What's interesting is two Beatle wives saw them as teenagers at Shea Stadium. One was Linda Eastman, teenage girl from Scarsdale, I think. And uh, the other was Barbara Bach. Yes. Both saw the Beatles as teenagers at Shea Stadium. And who in their wildest dreams would ever realize the fact that they would become their wives? But they did. And in the case of Paul, uh, he um, met Linda Eastman, a photographer, and fell in love, and that was one of the greatest love stories. Uh, certainly the John and Yoko love story is up at that level, but Paul and Linda were uh, certainly a very strong couple for years and years, and the loss of of uh, Linda was devastating to, to not only Paul, but everyone, because uh, I loved Linda, and she passed on April 17th, 1998, at the young age of 56 years old. So we're going to talk about Linda today and uh, go through some things about her life. We have a special guest on the phone, and I did bring in some Linda stuff. Uh, although you can't see it, uh, we're going to describe it, and we can post some of this stuff on our show's Facebook page. But uh, we do want to welcome a very special guest, and she is an actress, but she also befriended uh, Linda 
and spent a little bit of time with her. And she's a very interesting guest. She was in the cult classic The Warriors, a Walter Hill-directed film. Warriors, oh, gee. come out to play. <laughs> she was a member of the Lizzie's. And David, you remember this film, right? You know, I remember the film. And uh, uh, when I was in high school, it was certainly a, a big film. And, uh, you know, the time passes and it becomes a, a cult classic, right? Mm-hmm. But some people I knew thought of it as a, uh, a, as a guidebook, on a, a how-to in mm-hmm. some ways, right? Because they were too young for A Clockwork Orange, and then they found their calling in a film like The Warriors. How they made those connections, well, is another tale for another day. But I do think that it is, um, uh, it's quite a coup, Chachi, that we do have uh, someone who was part of that production. Yes, and I've gotten to know uh, Didi over the last uh, month or so through conversation on the phone and by email and texting. Uh, But she's a healing arts expert, which is something I need at my age. Uh, and she's appeared on numerous TV commercials and radio shows, TV shows, presenting yoga and wellness. And she's a, a devoted animal activist, which for me was like, okay, great. Love that. Because I am a, a, a devoted animal activist myself, along with my wife, Stephanie. We, um, we save animals all the time and we support animal causes. So in that regard, it's, we're very happy to have Dee Dee with us. She's a vegetarian. And good, she's there's so much to say about her, but why don't we just acknowledge her on the phone right now, uh, Miss Didi Benray? Didi, how are you? Hi, Chachi and David. It is such an honor and a privilege to be with you guys and your audience. Well, it's pl- quite a crowd back there. I hear the applause. Going. <laughs> yes. <Wow>. yes. <laughs> we are in beautiful Westwood, Massachusetts, which is what twenty miles outside of Boston, perhaps, in our little. In, in our very luxurious Pod Six One Seven Boston Podcast Studios, and it's very, we're very happy to have you here because um, you know Linda was very very special, and I have several Linda McCartney stories, and I'm sure you do too, D. And what I brought in yeah. today, you can't see it, but I brought in my Linda McCartney home cooking, quick, easy, and economical vegetarian dishes for today. This is published in 1989. And look at this, Professor Gallant. Inside is an insert here. And what does it say? It says, uh, for uh, Larry Chachi, uh, stay veggie, love Linda McCartney. Isn't that unbelievable? Isn't well, that great? No, it's, it's not unbelievable. Uh, Didi Chachi is a... He's the repository of, of, of all sorts of uh, great um, signed uh, uh, memorabilia. And, uh, but the great thing is, you know, this is a signed insert in, uh, in Linda's cookbook. So that's not just, you know, memorabilia. That's actually something that is active and living in anybody's kitchen when they want to know the how-tos, right? And so all that is and, you know, great. And Linda, um, if, she, if she was here right now and I can bet you anything, she is a little angel on our shoulders right now. That's exactly what she wants, is that cookbook and her work to go on. Um, You know what I was thinking before when I was walking over here? Mm -hmm. That it would have been really easy just for Paul and Linda to just travel the world doing beautiful music and and raising their family. But animal rights and turning the world on to a more compassionate way of living was such a theme in her life, in their lives. I would say the whole McCartney plan, that's one of their devotions. Yeah, there's a, there's a great story uh, where they were on their farm 
eating in the kitchen and they were eating lamb and they looked outside and their sheep were there and they looked at each other and we can't eat this. And, and I don't know if it's a true story, but that's the legend. Uh, She mentioned that in the interview, you know, trust me in that interview that I did with her. And it was a very magical experience because, and I want you and your audience and just to remind myself to know this about her. You know, we all crave authenticity. She was authentic. She was genuinely beautiful in an inner and outer way. And um, we talked about the stories, and that was a true story. She and Paul were eating lamb chops, I believe. And this happened to me when I was a little girl. You know, you look down, and you go, wait a second, that's a lamb chop. And then you look up, and whether it's a lamb crossing on your property or a storybook which has no... Little lamb, eat ivy, that kind of thing. Uh, Dee if you wouldn't mind sort of um, enlightening me as, as well as our, our audience, um, what were the circumstances and, and the time and place or, or how it came to be that you, that you interviewed Linda? It was 1990, if I remember. I think the, it was a concert on August 6th. I really believe that was the date. And... I remember hearing that she was coming out with a vegetarian cookbook. I said, yes, because at the time I was doing a lot of interviews for Vegetarian Times Magazine, for Aware Radio. I was doing television segments about vegetarian Thanksgiving. Um, I had interviewed a lot of celebrities. Steve Howe, guitarist with Yes, um, Howard Jones, Isaac Bashava Singer, the Nobel Prize winner, mm-hmm. some amazing people who, when I was with them, it wasn't their stature. They were using their stature in an incredible way, but we all shared the common ground of protecting animals. So I called her press person, who was like, hmm, I don't know, let's see what we can do. And he got me into the concert. I remember First Road Center in Chicago. And then I did meet Paul and Linda at a very crowded press conference. And Shachi, right you are, immediately I saw them together as a love story. Mm-hmm. You know, they exuded that kind of beautiful energy. And then I believe after that I was flown, I flew out, rather, to Los Angeles to interview her at Capitol Records. Wow. Um, and that was very interesting because, you know, it was a lot of press people and different interviews and, when I came in, it was the end of the day, and we immediately had a bond. Again, she had a, a rare beauty, and we enjoyed each other because of our love of saving animals, our love of vegetarianism. You know, vegetarian comes from the Latin vegetas, meaning filled with life. And when we got together, I can promise you, that room was filled with life. And it was a great interview. And so did you... It was a magical interview because... Um, we talked about, you know, I always like to get to the essence of people, whether it's my friends or in interviews. And I was talking to her from the beginning, you know, about, like, Linda, do you believe in things that go bump in the night? Can you believe I asked her that, like, the first question? And she said, yes. Yes, I do. I believe in good vibes, like vibes all around us. And we got off to the start. Right after that, boom. We began talking about saving animals. Um, Of course, that iconic quote, which people, I'm sure, have seen on the Internet, 
as attributed to Paul McCartney, I believe was Linda's quote, if slaughterhouses had glass walls, the world would be vegetarian. Well, and that says it all. Well, I agree with that. I mean, I can't even be on social media and, and expose myself to that kind of stuff. It pops up every now and then because Steph and I certainly give to different animal charities. <clears throat> and Thank I, you for I, doing that. I, I heard what you were saying. That is so kind of well, that, um, we, doing the good work. Yeah, because, you know, not many people, well, there's, there's certain people that don't care, but animals have feelings and emotions. And, you know, a lot of people sit there and go, oh, the, the animals outside, the, they can handle the cold weather. No, they cannot handle cold weather. We save cats off the street all the time, and our chickens live in a heated barn while the neighbor's chickens live in the cold in a, in a woodshed. And we believe animals have feelings, and that's why they love being in the sun. They love warmth. And animals are people, too. Yeah. They are. And they're, they're the most loyal friends you can have. Uh, that's certainly the case. But So how long did you and Linda speak for, and what were some of the things you talked about? You talked about vegetarianism, her book, cookbook. What was the connection? Yeah. You guys looking in each other's eyes, and they, something clicked, right? Well, it's interesting. And by the way, I will have to find you a clip of that tape. I will search for that tape of Linda and myself for the next thing we do. Great. Um, when I came in, yeah, the, the reason it clicked, as it has in other interviews, but I have to tell you again, I come back to that word, authentic. She totally, there was nothing unreal about her. She was very busy. You know, her PR person there at Capitol, I believe, was saying, you know, let's get it, you know, start closing down at the end of the day. And she was like, no, I'm talking to Dee Dee. And um, she appreciated Chachi and David. The fact, and she told it, told this to her press person, she appreciated the fact that I was there to interview her because of her devotion to animals and her wonderful new cookbook that she had just come out with. She said that other interviewers and press people were using her to get to Paul. Mm -hmm. Now, we all love Paul. We get back to the Beatles and, you know, all things like Breakfast with the Beatles. We love Paul. But mm, it's not kind, I believe, or authentic to use her to get to Paul. And she appreciated that about me. And I appreciated the generosity of her time and her heart, the energy she gave me. And we talked about vegetarianism. We obviously talked about her cookbook. Um, what a great cookbook that is, and how lucky are you to have it signed um, by Linda? Mm. Uh, and, and she, I... she. Oh, I'm sorry. She wanted vegetarianism to be easy and economic for the masses. Her goal wasn't to turn, you know, raw fooders onto natural hygiene or the next diet. She wanted to show that vegetarian meal, a holiday meal, can be eloquent and beautiful, and that a truck driver can come home after an exhausting day and can easily make one of her recipes. I just wish her frozen food line was available in the United States because it's available overseas in the U.K., and I think they're beautiful dishes that people should be exposed to, but it's never been available 
uh, in the States. And uh, so someday we'll get her frozen food line here, or if we're ever in the UK, we'll try it. My wife, Steph, is a devoted vegetarian, and I try oh, to great. I try to stay that way as much as I possibly can. I do. We should eat. have an applause from the audience. When you yes, that. we should. <laughs> we should because <laughs> Stephanie has taught me how to eat certain vegetarian dishes. We we eat the Gardein uh, line of, of foods. I don't know if you ever heard of them, oh, yeah. uh, Dee. Of course, Gardein yeah. burgers, Gardein rice. Yeah, we do like the little uh, chicken nuggets and put some buffalo sauce on it, and it's, it's just, yeah. and they're, they're great. And I've learned to love tofu because of Steph. Uh, and whenever I possibly can, I will uh, pass on red meat, certainly because of my health, uh, and uh, that there's other great alternatives nowadays with the Impossible Burger and the uh, Beyond Burger. I think Linda would be thrilled if she were here today to see how totally. this whole vegetarian thing is, is taking over where you can actually make a... A vegetarian burger, and it and now has sizzle to it, and the way they make it, you can't even tell. I mean, they've had taste tests, and people are like, oh, this is a great hamburger, but it's not. So they've really done well. I am waiting for the line of Beyond Bacon, which is they've been talking about it, uh, <laughs> but we haven't got that got that far yet. But I do eat the fake bacon that they sell, uh, and I, oh, I think that's it's good. Great. That, that fake and bacon, I think it's made of tempeh. Or something which, if your audience is listening, tempeh is a fermented soybean originally, and they turn it into beautiful meat substitutes. Yeah, and um, Linda would be very, very proud because I mean, pigs are some of the smartest animals out there. And oh, uh, they are. I just saw an article, Chachi, where it said that. Um, what is that? An applause from the no, audience? No, it's, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of sizzle. That's sizzling. No, bacon. no, 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 no. Stop that. <laughs> I just met a pig. I met a pig a month ago. I was in a vegan restaurant and someone brought in this beautiful piglet that's adorable. And I had just read an article where they said you can teach pigs how to play video games. I read this and it wasn't, you know, some sort of like weird publication. It was right there. Pigs can be very, very smart, so forget the sizzle. And by the way, Linda McCartney, I have to say, and Chachi, I said this to you earlier, was an original. I mean, certainly there was vegetarianism, you know, way before, you know, she was promoting it. Leo Tolstoy was a vegetarian in world religions. But she wanted to make it popular, like you said, Chachi. Mm -hmm. She was all about having fun. Many, many ideas, but I do believe she was an original a forerunner before the Impossible Burger, Beyond Burger. And did both of you um, watch the Oscars? I did not, uh, David. Yes, I. well, I did because uh, <laughs> my, my daughter, one of my daughters, my youngest, was, was uh, glued to the television because she's a huge fan of Billie Eilish, who was tabbed to sing the next James Bond. And, of course, she sang... Uh, yesterday, yesterday mm -hmm. uh, accompanying the, uh, the 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 segment of the Oscars where they pay tribute to those in the industry who've passed. So what? yes, I did I did see the Oscars. And so what 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 is it that you wanted to point out? Well, about it, it's been all all over the internet. Um, like vegetarians are doing a happy dance. Vegans are. Joaquin Phoenix. Oh yes. The award from the Oscars. Right. Right. Actor and Joker, and. Part of the speech, uh, my friend said, was a sort of 
but a beautiful speech. And telling, and he continued after that speech. He's done a lot of animal rights work after the night of the Oscars. Yeah. And his whole life is devoted to animal protection. I, I did see some uh, social media feeds of Joaquin uh, carrying uh, uh, a calf and taking him out of a slaughterhouse and bringing yeah. him to a sanctuary. And that, that was something I was so happy to see. And yes, he really, he really brought the issue to the forefront that night and good for him. So mm. let's go back to Linda's quote. Ugh. If slaughterhouses had glass walls or, or the walls are made of glass, the world would be vegetarian. In other words, stop anesthetizing things, stop putting pink paint on, on things. Let's see what's really going on. That's all she was saying. Yeah. That's all Paul is saying. And, you know, um, and, and D, I mean, we know that Paul McCartney wasn't a vegetarian his entire life. Uh, he became vegetarian because of Linda's efforts. So Linda grounded Paul in a lot of ways, I think, and certainly, you know, converted him uh, from a meat eater to uh, one of the most popular vegetarians, uh, you know, in the world. Josh, you want to hear a I quick clip he... of, uh, pardon me, do you want to hear a quick clip of uh, what Joaquin had to say? We okay. feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow, and when she gives birth, we steal her baby, even though her cries of anguish are unmistakable. And let's even talk about it going one step beyond. It's not just saving the animals, but that's where Linda's part was. It's about what is it doing to the environment? After the Oscars, the yeah. parties have all been plant-based. Oh, plant -based. that's fantastic. The, the menu and the diet, yeah, sorry, but the menu and the diet is plant-based. I had a friend who attended one of those, and he said, yeah, there was nothing I could eat. Now, if Linda had catered that, there had been a lot she could eat. You see, that was the thing. She wanted to make it fun and um, out there for everyone. And if I remember, I believe, I think Paul still does it. I could be wrong. But at the time when I went to see them on concert years ago, they had a vegetarian caterer, chef, on tour with them. Yes, I, I heard that you was the case. You know that food was probably. Yeah. Oh, you did hear that? I did hear that, yes. He doesn't uh, do any of that other, you know, no red meat or anything on tour. And uh, so, yeah, he's a, he's a devoted vegetarian. you got even got to be careful if you're around him and you're wearing a leather jacket. You know, <laughs> is that still the case currently, like right now? Yes. Is that really? Wow. Yes. But, I say. But let's talk about, let's do some Linda facts. I made a little bit of a list and we can mm -hmm. comment because a lot of people have some misconceptions about Linda and, you know, and many people all, you know, always think that she was an Eastman. She's a photographer and she was in the, the family under the umbrella of Kodak, which is uh, not true. Uh, Not sure. Yeah. Linda's dad was a very successful entertainment lawyer, and he changed his name to Eastman. Now, this is a very interesting story. Uh, what was the name he changed from Eastman? Do you know, Professor Gallant? Yes, I do know. This is, you're going you're gonna to love this, D. Do you know what his name was oh, wow. before he changed it to I, Eastman? I love quizzes. Okay. Oh, Professor, what is it? Uh, the family name was Epstein. Or Epstein, however you want to pronounce it. And coincidentally, there was Brian Epstein who managed the Beatles. So they had the same last name. Uh, his name was Leopold, and so it was Lee Eastman. And he was an entertainment lawyer. And one of 
Lee's clients wrote a song called Linda for his daughter uh, by a performer by the name of Jack Lawrence. And, uh, and she was just six years old when this record came out. So through her dad, uh, Jack Lawrence composes a song, and it was a hit for a performer by the name of Buddy Clark and later recorded by Jan and Dean and Perry Como. So there's a song out there called Linda, written for Linda Eastman. And, oh, that's uh, beautiful, Trippie. Yeah, and I brought it in. She uh, obviously was a, a very good photographer, and I she did some album covers. And I brought in one album, Professor, this is the Tom Rush album, The Circle Game, and on the cover, that picture is taken by Linda McCartney. Oh, well, there you go. So I brought in my Tom Rush album on vinyl. She also uh, took the picture of the Neil Young album. I think it was uh, Sugar Mountain. Uh, she took the cover photo for that album. And then I brought in my Linda's Pictures book, which is a collection of photographs by Linda McCartney. This is... This is very old. Look at the price on it. Eight ninety five for that. Nowadays this costs you like thirty bucks. Such a deal. Yeah, such a deal. And so we have a lot such of such a deal. This is good stuff. Yeah. So uh I brought a bunch of Linda things in and um she had a brother John Eastman and he is Paul's attorney. Yes, he followed in the family uh, business. Yes, now I will tell you a story. Uh, a bunch of years ago when he did the Liverpool Oratoria, it ran at Carnegie Hall. And I am good friends with Danny Bennett, son of Tony Bennett, and Danny is close to Paul, and certainly Tony and Paul have sung a duet together. So Danny invited me to come to New York and go to um, the Carnegie Hall to see this show. Paul would be in the audience, and we sat in a box. It was Danny Bennett, myself, and Judy Collins, and her husband, I think. And we sat in the box and watched it. And then we got a note delivered to the box, and Danny got it. It was a little slip of paper. It said, you're invited to an after party. And they gave us the address. So we hopped in the car after the show, and we went up to the east side and went to an apartment building, and it was cops everywhere, and we walked in. We hopped on an elevator, went all the way up to the top, and the elevator opened up in the living room of John Eastman. And I, we walked out, and standing there were people by the likes of Alex Baldwin, Conan O'Brien, um, Lorne Michael, uh, Judy Collins... Uh, who's, who's the actor who smokes a lot of pot? Harris? Woody. I'm Woody sorry. Harris. Woody. So I got to be a fly on a wall in a situation where Paul was just with his friends. He wasn't putting on any fronts. There were no fans there that wanted autographs and took pictures, but we met, we talked, went into another room, and it was the longest, beautiful table I'd ever seen. And we all sat down, and we had a uh, white glove dinner can't remember what we ate because I was just so mesmerized by the every I'm sitting there and saying to myself well, how am I at this table with these people and um, it was a great night and so to prove I was there they had, they had a pile of little green napkins with the Eastman family crest on it and so I grabbed a handful <laughs> I grabbed a handful you of the napkins still have one shot, I do I do have them uh, they're, they're in my storage room in Worcester Massachusetts and um, 
So we took that. I took those and we hung out with Paul for like three hours. And this was after Linda had passed away, unfortunately. But being in, in John Eastman's apartment was, wow, it was like a dream come true. So that was one of the many times that I crossed paths with uh, Paul McCartney. So that was pretty amazing. I would amazing. imagine it was a vegetarian um, meal. I cannot remember, but I would imagine so. Uh, well, maybe there were vegetarian options. Uh, you I know. cannot remember what we ate. I remember a salad. I was just so blown away that I was sitting there <laughs> around all of these people. Alec Baldwin, Lorne Michael. I mean, oh my word, what am I doing here? So, uh, Dee Dee, you, you then interviewed Linda. You're saying this is 1990? This was 1990. You know, it's funny. It's almost like there's a time warp. It feels like yesterday and the movie The Warriors was so many years ago, but now people are, you know, the call classic. It's like it's yesterday for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's weird. It's, everything's become a time warp, but yes. I, I, I did interview her in 1990. I was trying to sort of affix the date because um, I uh, have a, a, a niece um, years and years ago, and she uh, became a vegetarian after watching the Simpsons episode where Paul and Linda appear. And um, because my niece, when she was younger, she was very bright and precocious. So she idolized Lisa Simpson, um, who, you know, was uh, bright and precocious and kind of the moral center, if you will, of the Simpsons and both the comedy and the, and everything that is taught there. And I remember Paul having said in an interview that, that in terms of, of Lisa's vegetarianism, uh, that they would appear in the episode as long as Lisa stayed veggie. And, uh, um, We've got a clip, Professor. Do do we have a clip? Yeah, Dee Dee, I'm sure you're familiar with this episode. I want to hear to it. Be a Lisa. That's why I ran away from home. What? She's leaving home? <laughs> wow, Paul McCartney. I read about you in history class. But where's your wife, Linda? Right here, Lisa. Whenever we're in Springfield, we like to hang out in Apu's garden in the shade. We met him in India years ago during the Maharishi days. Back then, I was known as the fifth beatle. Sure you were, Apu. <laughs> you know what, Lisa? Paul and Linda are vegetarians, too. In fact, Linda has her own line of vegetarian entrees. Apu, I'm sure the last thing they want to talk about is... We weren't satisfied with the other vegetarian meals on the market. You'd be surprised how often you'd find a big hunk of pork in them. Ew. <laughs> Linda and I both feel strongly about animal rights. In fact, if you play Maybe I'm Amazed backwards, you'll hear a recipe for a really ripping lentil soup. When will all those fools learn that you can be perfectly healthy simply eating vegetables, fruits, grains, and cheese? Ooh, cheese. You don't eat cheese, Apu? No, I don't eat any food that comes from an animal. Then you must think I'm a monster. Yes, indeed, I do think that. But (laughs) I learned long ago, Lisa, to tolerate others rather than forcing my beliefs on them. You know, you can influence people without badgering them always. It's like Paul's song, Live and Let Live. Actually, it was Live and Let Die. Whatever, whatever. It had a good rhythm. I guess I have been pretty hard on a lot of people, especially my dad. Thanks, you guys. Uh, And uh, the the clip, uh, I guess, now now looking at it, it's also... Um, you know, uh, heartening and disheartening at the same time that uh, um, 
uh, Hank Azaria now refuses to voice Apu, so he's a character who will go away. Another actual moral center of The Simpsons. And for a while, Homer's health improved because they were just eating veggie, uh, veggie at home. I think one episode when, when Apu moved in uh, for a while. And uh, so, I mean, and this is years before the phenomenon of uh, that was uh, Forks Over Knives. Um uh, in terms of that being a, a zillion seller as well. So, yeah, so she became a veggie because of uh, because uh, Lisa showed her the way by uh, via Paul and Linda. So um, I think that's another way that they wanted to both stay relevant and reach a wider audience. And at that time, um, there was no better way to do that, to cross generations and to go through The Simpsons. So I always remember that, that about so Paul and Linda and veggie. Yeah, it's, it's quite a sweet uh, episode, actually, because... A lot is uh, a, a lot goes into it, including, um, you know, the acknowledgement of the Eastern influences uh, on the Beatles and uh, um, what they were exposed to in India and how they carried that on. Many did for a while or they came around to it after a while to realize the um, uh, the way that that type of practice was uh, a way to unify mind and body and spirit as opposed to all of the, the Western habitats were brought up with, which force us to separate those things, right? So that um, was kind of Did a neat guys, way to bring it back. Do you guys know about that book, A Higher Taste? A Higher Taste? I believe, a Higher Taste. I'm going to have to find my vintage copies. There are different books. The Higher Taste or A Higher Taste was a cookbook from the Hare Krishnas where um, they interviewed George, a vegetarian. Can I make a very sad... Um, uh, admission of, of, of guilt when I was in college and where I lived in the residence hall there, you kind of had to fend for yourself on a Sunday. And so some friends and I would, would go and we'd get the pamphlet, but we would go for the free vegetarian meal at the Hare Krishna house <laughs> in the back bay. Um, and so, but they I, all wanted, that's why, and yeah. that, that's the tradition, the Sunday feast. They would be very happy. Is that the admission? That's a good admission. Well, I didn't go off and and shave my head and and follow the teachings <laughs> of Krishna, you know, chapter and verse. But I try to be a good human being. Wow! Now look at this on our on our screen here, D. Uh, there it is: the Higher Taste, a guide to gourmet vegetarian cooking and karma free diet. Yeah. So look at that, November first, two thousand six. It was a wonderful cookbook, and I believe it was in that and or. Another one of um, their books where George Harrison was interviewed. I'm pretty sure it was that one about vegetarianism, but I will find that. And in another book, um, there was an interview with John and um, Yoko about something diet-related. You know, I bumped into them. Rather, I saw them a billion years ago um, at a restaurant called Suen, S-O-U-E-N in New York City, it was a macrobiotic restaurant on the Upper West Side that they used to frequent all the time. Wow. And um, isn't it and interesting that all the Beatles became vegetarians? Yes. I, mean, I think that's How great. fascinating. I don't think John and Yoko did. I think they went towards the macrobiotic way of living, which mm-hmm. um, was more, you know, grains, beans, and probably they included fish. He was so thin. I mean, John was so thin, uh, you know, in the 70s from from that diet. And and certainly George was into Indian food, right? 
I would, I would imagine there was so, so much a part of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what you said, they, were, they all were into vegetarianism at some point. And how many people from our generation did they usher in towards that philosophy or a mystical, a mystical bent? You know what I mean? Instead of just thinking about um, everyday living, we all became a little deeper because of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Now, you guys are Beatles connoisseurs. Is that true? I mean, mm-hmm. I bow that down to you. You're the professors of all the Beatles. The professor is so, a professor, and yes, we're both huge <laughs> Beatles fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think they made us a little deeper as a generation. I mean, we're talking about it years later and about their effect with meditation and diet and instant karma right i mean and 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 look at ringo and paul very very healthy ringo's about to be what 80 years old in july and yeah and even steph says to me i mean you gotta keep moving chachi uh you gotta look at paul he's so limber he's in his late 70s and look at him on stage he probably does yoga he has the diet the vegetarian diet Look at him. And Ringo, too. Ringo is so thin and healthy. And uh, and that beca- that's, a, you know, it's what you put into your body is what you get out of it. You know, so good for them. That's right. And one thing, again, Linda, I, I remember her enthusiasm in the interview. Mm-hmm. And um, in that picture I sent to you, Chachi, you know, she and I together holding peace signs. Yes. As Ringo is always doing. And I, our mutual friend, Chachi, Sean White, yes. said there's a reason. I don't know. It, it, I thought she and I were doing the vegetarian sign, the V. I imagine Ringo's doing peace, peace and love. That's correct. Uh, and so, is your audience still there, by the way? Is the audience there? <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah. encourage him, Dee. Do not Don't encourage, encourage him. <laughs> let's, let's not daunt them or get them afraid about jumping into animal rights. They could do something as simple if they're getting into it as... Oh, my God. Uh, Dee, could you repeat that? The kids are just too loud here. Of course. The audience, whoever's there, you know, they might say, well, I'd like to try it. I'd like to help the animals. I want to try vegetarianism, but I can't jump into it. So, Meatless Monday. They can try one day a week trying a wonderful vegetarian meal. I've I've told people, and I'm sure Linda explored that in her cookbook, when you want to go vegetarian, don't think traditional foods. What are some beautiful international foods you can do? Italian, we all, you know, vegetables, pasta, pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, Indian food that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, Japanese, um, miso soup, tofu, the macrobiotic food. Just think a little bit of international. Hummus, I'm addicted to hummus, Middle Eastern food, one day a week. And what can you do? I mean, Chachi, what you're doing is amazing, rescuing the animals. Again, kudos to you and Stephanie. But maybe your audience, you can help a friend walk a dog or um, visit a shelter. Mm-hmm. Now, well, you know, I, just doing something. Yeah, I think I think one thing that um, uh, you know I see amongst my uh, uh, students and whatever has shaped many of their perceptions of um, maybe their their diets it's not necessarily how they think of 
uh, or they they do or don't think about what they eat. But it's there. It's the complete sort of um, idea of uh, of consumption and of what they think is is success. And and for years and years, without even questioning, they may not even sort of link the two. That um, sometimes, in from some areas of the world, when my mother would tell me, and she was very traditionally Italian American, that they didn't grow up much with a lot of meat, and part of that was because they were poor. And so um, there wasn't always, that was a very special thing. And you talk about, well, let's, let's have a meatless Monday. And a lot of the times it, for some younger people, some people that may, that may even be too radical, right? But if the portions or if they are meat eaters become smaller and smaller and the vegetable portion becomes larger, then they realize they're actually engaging in more, in more balance too. Um, And uh, you know, when they're, trying to learn how to be independent. It's, it's just as easy, if not easier, to, to, to cook and prepare vegetables as it is to cook and prepare well, I, meat. I see, I, it seems to me that I meet kids younger and younger who have gone to vegetarianism. I think that's great. Usually it takes a while. I know many teenagers. You must have students. See, Nadine, Professor Galan teaches a Beatles class at Suffolk University in Boston for freshmen. Correct. Yes, mostly. Oh, how yep. wonderful! Yes. Yeah, so, um, do you find you? I'm going to ha- sit in on that class sometime, Professor. Uh, you're you're more than welcome. There's there's a couple of extra seats, and so yeah, we'd love to it, have you there. Yes, but you, do you find that you you know you have more of your of your students nowadays that ha- that are vegetarians? Um, I don't know about more. I think that uh, some students do commit. Uh, in a, a, a personal sense of, of uh, their um, uh, political standpoint, where if they are a vegetarian um, for maybe some health reasons, but also for uh, uh, political reasons, it's, it's part of a whole fabric, no pun intended, that maybe they're wearing more natural fibers or they're, they're concerned about their clothes and how they are sourced. And, and maybe they are, in addition to having a meatless Monday um, they are committing themselves for a certain stretch not to buy any new clothing. I mean, that's also a current wave amongst many students as well. Um, they're growing up in the whole sort of, you know, uh, the sharing economy, if you will. And so uh, this is kind of uh, this is kind of part of that uh, uh, part of that whole whole theme. Professor, professor, how is the food at the university? Have you noticed? On campus, is there more of a tendency with the food that they have there that's catered there? Well, there more salad bars. There, there, there are, and there are um, uh, vegetarian options. I think students are often suspicious uh, or wary if they are residence hall students um, uh, of some of the offerings, um, and I think sometimes part of their adjustment missing home is that they will more quickly go for food that they find to be comforting. <laughs> and if they, and that's, you know, we, we use the term comfort food, but literally the, a lot of them are seeking comfort and that may not always involve uh, vegetarian options unless they had really been practicing it and their home uh, supported it. And I do think that students are, uh, many of them are coming from an area where, um, uh, they may have had some type of garden plot at home. Uh, my kids, my younger kids, you know, see uh, my wife and I get very excited when we have a couple of good tomato plants at the community garden plot in the town where we live, hoping to do better next year. And uh, 
um, you know, my, my youngest daughter will feel like there's, there's, there's no food, especially vegetables that, that can't be delicious with the right amount of olive oil. Oh, so. I love that. Pizza <laughs> oh, and tater tots. Uh, but, olive oil and garlic. Yes. Yes. Now, now, Professor, let me ask you this. Do you, do you discuss beetle wives in your class and the role that the beetle wives had in their respective beetle? Um, Linda McCartney. Do you discuss Linda? Uh, you know what? We we do, um, if time allows. I, I'm always running out of time. I've told Chachi this for years, Didi, that I wish uh, I was able to teach the classes a part one in one semester and a part two in another semester. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're, uh, the relationships that they have are often very important, as we've talked about before. Um, in in some of the music that they're doing uh, in their in their politics, uh, you know, personal and public, uh, they're following, you know. So I mean, there's there's a way to talk about uh, Linda's appearance. It's hard to talk about her without having talked about Paul's relationship with Jane Asher, and um, uh, and also the fact that he, um, uh, both he and John, you know, found uh, women who were. Uh, very strong. Uh, I think both Linda and Yoko are very, to, to use Didi's word, very authentic. And um, in a way, I don't want to get too psychoanalytical about it, but in a way, we're going to be able to um, help provide a home in a certain sense that they did not have because of the early loss of their mothers. You know, I don't want to get too deeply psychoanalytic about it, but wow. um, I think that the joys of home that Paul felt after meeting Linda and what they what they started to structure and grow up in Scotland and even before they went on the road together, um, I think says uh, speaks volumes uh, about uh, um, uh, about you know Paul and 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 their relationship, especially with and you know apparently happily married. I I know that you know what I I didn't want to necessarily go there, but um, mm -hmm. you know, might one wonder, and I always hate to do this type of conjecture, but what uh might one wonder uh is Nancy uh a um. Does she help center Paul a different phase in his life? Of course, uh, the same way Linda might have. Has he has he found a you know peace after after those years of really a lot of personal turmoil after having lost her? I had only seen Paul and Linda together, and wow, you know, anyone who saw them, that you know, that was his love. I read um, the tribute gave after she passed on, mm -hmm. where he said, more than losing my wife, something to that effect, more than losing my wife and the mother of my children, I lost my girlfriend. Now, what a tribute, what an honor yep. to say to me. saying, well, they were together all the time, and I've seen quotes that she said, they didn't tire of each other, you know, they met, they fell in love, and let's be together. And I just absolutely love that. And, uh, yeah, well, I, I don't know. Yeah, she um, she certainly tamed Paul. Paul <clears throat> was, uh, you know, w you know, he had a, all kinds of things going on prior to Linda, uh, but he he became exclusive to Linda. And I think one of the things I don't know if people realize this, but Linda also lost her mom when she was young. Linda's mother uh, died in a plane crash in 1962. 
And uh, she was afraid of flying after that. Certainly they flew, but she wasn't always happy about it. And uh, so maybe there, you know, the fact that Linda lost her mom and Paul did too, that was another bond. And, uh, you know, and her mom was successful. She, her parents were part of the, uh, a clothing company called the Lindner Company Clothing Store. And so um, I, I will tell you, I, I, uh, I was near Linda once in 1986. <laughs> I went to New Very. York City because I interviewed Paul after the uh, uh, Give My Regards to Broad Street movie. And they flew us on a junket to the Plaza Hotel. <clears throat> and we stayed there and saw the movie one night. And then the next day, all the press had 10 minutes with Paul, of which I still have the picture and the tape. And, and as I was going up into the elevator, the elevator door opened and out walks Linda McCartney. And I said, hey, Linda. And she says, hello. And she kept going with her bodyguards. And that was my brush with Linda. Uh, that was in 1986. And then uh, at WBCN, you might remember this, Professor Gallant, Mark Perenno had an afternoon uh, show. And there was some negative Linda stuff going around. They had isolated her track right, right. Uh, on some songs and she was out of key. And so I was scheduled to interview Linda McCartney. But Paul, such an advocate and supporter of his wife, actively seeked out the radio stations um, who made fun of Linda. And unfortunately, our afternoon DJ did. And I was taken off the list to interview her. Ah. Yeah, it was oh. very sad. Um you know, and it was. Why did they take you off the list? Because our afternoon disc jockey played a, a tape of her singing on stage with wings. Her track was isolated. I think it might have been "Hey Jude," and she was out of key. And it was going. The tape was going around the country. Radio stations were playing it. This was Parento Chachi. Yeah, making ever the, ever the prankster. Yeah. Yes, making fun of Linda. So he had people out there saying, "Okay." which radio stations are making fun of my wife. And unfortunately I worked at the station that was, and uh, I was taken off the interview list, which was very sad. Um, well, what a test. I'm sorry that happened to you, Chachi, but what a testimony to his love for her. He was her total champion, total champion and uh, put her on stage. And she was, she had such courage to do that. Because uh, she had to learn from the ground up with one of the greatest songwriters and musicians the world had ever seen. But she handled herself well. And my, I have a relationship with Denny Lane, and Denny thought that she was truly a fascinating, a fantastic woman who learned to sing, and they did many great harmonies together on Wings albums. And Denny Lane has nothing but you know great things to say about Linda. So, you, and, he, and he would know, I'm sure. So the harmonies that you hear on Bluebird, Yes. That beautiful wing song. Those are true harmonies. Her uncle album. Yeah, she learned how to sing. Paul taught her and learned how to play. And uh, yeah, she was a very strong force to to even try to do that because she was just opening herself up to to criticism. You know. And what a testimony of her love for him. That's you see, true. You can't. I've asked people this week. I've told them about your podcast. Mm -hmm. Um. It's wonderful work that you guys are doing, and of, co and of course, the great audience that you have. Thank you. And, uh, Thank you. <laughs> and, and every time I've asked people, well, what is, you know, when you've gone back and thought of Melinda and Paul McCartney, they said, a love story. 
Yeah. And that sums it up. When I think of Linda and Paul, I think of that amazing quote um, about slaughterhouses, if they were made of glass, we'd be vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of the amazing animal rights work. Yep. Um, that they became a team promoting. Yep. But of course, a love story. And exactly what you said. That it's amazing. The the other thing that comes to mind these days, and I think that there might be a nice either parallel or to look at, um, you know, this this next generation. Um, obviously, it's a very different field than than vegetarianism and, and a cookbook. Um, but I think that uh, their daughter, Stella, is within the fashion industry um, in some ways about clothing and garments, trying to be... Um, or in a genuine way, as as righteous as her mother was about vegetarianism and providing that knowledge to people and educating them. We don't necessarily think of the worlds of fashion, especially someone at those elite levels of de- of design as Stella is, um, to be that righteous. But um, there have been some articles recently and, and interviews where um, I think that uh, she's kind of carrying on that tradition. So... Um, uh, this is, uh, if you aren't currently an active working journalist, this is your next assignment, Dee Dee, is track down Stella, and uh, it's time to do an interview with the daughter. Yeah, that's true. Track her down. It makes me sound like a sleuth. Track down <laughs> Linda McCartney. Um, that, you know, desperately seeking Linda, I'm not sorry, Stella McCartney. Yes. Um, well, <laughs> well, what she said, though, I mean, from Stella McCartney with her fashion, to Linda McCartney with her beautiful cookbook and the food, to the work Paul is doing, it all comes down to compassion. Um, Compassion for animals, compassion for us, for what we're wearing, compassion for the environment. Right. You know, that that really is funny. I'm at a yoga retreat where that is the quintessence of yoga and the quintessence of animal rights work and the quintessence what we need to do on behalf of the world around us. How can we have just a little bit more compassion every mm-hmm. day? Give yes. the next person a little, a little break. Yeah. The animals yeah, and um, for one another, that's for sure. Now, now you don't have to give yeah. away any secrets, but where are you retreating to? Oh, that, that, that sounds mysterious. I'm in the beautiful Hudson Valley. Oh. Hudson, New York. The Hudson Valley, the beautiful mountain. Um, I'm not retreating to or from anything. I'm, it sounds like I'm running. It's just, it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful place to be and to be around people who remind you what kindness and good living is about. Simplicity. You, know, you don't have to go to spas or um, five-star hotels, so that's surely nice. <laughs> it's just be around people who are eating um, a beautiful vegetarian diet. Um, doing beautiful things for the planet and enjoying the beautiful air. It was a beautiful day here. The sun was out. Um, I was walking on a long and winding road. <laughs> you know, I, I, in the sun, on a beautiful, long and winding road, guess what I played? Yes. Um, oh, there we go. Thank you, David. I could listen to Dee for hours. She's the best. She's just so relaxing listening to you. I'm just like, oh. But I'm not putting you to sleep. Not at all. No, it's a great great conversation. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And uh, it's. I have a a quiz for you guys, your audience, by the way. Okay, let's hear it. 
Chachi, you know the answer. I don't know if you shared it with the professor. I don't know, but I won't uh, answer. I'll let the professor answer and see if he knows. Um, so I was in the movie The Warriors, um, and how does The Warriors, what is the connection between The Warriors and The Beatles? May I guess, Chachi? Uh, David Yez, a producer and spiritual leader, please guess. Didi, is, I know the song opens with In the City by uh, Joe uh, Walsh. Excellent, by the way. Okay. That's yes, right. And, and to the, yes, that was excellent. And, and who was Joe Walsh for the people? Who well, he's uh, uh, Ringo's brother-in-law. That is correct. Oh, see? Ringo's brother See that yeah. took teamwork because I, I didn't know that. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no, I, 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 I know about some of the. Uh, I know that the references to, um, uh, is it the not the Punic Wars but the Peloponnesian Wars and uh, uh, as what? A, as as something that informs what? the warriors. <laughs> well, this is why you have the oh, gang leader oh, Cyrus right, is, is oh, a right. great yes. general yeah, from ca- yeah Carthage, I believe. Yes, the warriors directed by fabulous director and a dear man, mm-hmm. Walter Hill, mm-hmm. was based um, going back in time on the ancient Persian tale, yes. the Anabasis. Yes, it's, and, Cyrus and it's is the great story. general. Yes. It's a story. It's every man's story. It, it ties in with all of us. Um, Walter has said every movie he did or does is a Western. That movie was about an innocent gang. You could just call it an innocent, you know, like Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, stuck in a land where they don't know how the heck they got there, and they have to get home. In the Anabasis, they had to get to the sea. In the Warriors, an innocent gang had to get to Coney Island. Mm -hmm. Um, In The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy had to get back to Kansas City, right? Right. So years years before... Years before the other uh, uh, musical act sang about it, they, they, for the Warriors, there would be no sleep till Brooklyn. Wow, no sleep till Brooklyn. So there, I've made and a Warriors, I, I've made a Warriors and Beastie Boys connection, but I don't correct. know if I haven't, I haven't tracked down the Beatles connection yet. <laughs> very very, very yeah. similar area in the record bins, Chachi. Right, Beastie Boys, Beatles, they'd be right near each other, right next to each other. Yeah. that's correct. Well, and Joe Walsh, I had the the great. Um, honor to meet him a few years ago at the Apple Store in New York. He was giving a, a very lovely, kind of spontaneous concert. Really? And um, we talked, well, it was sort of promoted, but probably not enough. I think he had just come out with an album called Analog Man. Um, and he spoke, oh, I could be, I think he spoke, maybe he didn't give a concert, or he might have played a couple of songs. And when I talked to him afterwards, he, he said all of his friends loved Warriors, and he was very proud to sing In the City. I hope your audience knows In the City. Oh, of course. Really. That's huge. Oh, uh, there it is there. Look at that. Our producer. He's working hard tonight. Yeah, he, he's... um. He's sort of made a step up, you know, because he used to be in the all-star band with Ringo for several yeah. iterations of the all-star band, and, and now he uh, uh, is out there with uh, with Sir Paul. Uh, Chachi, was and he... I'm gonna- was he with Sorry. Paul at the White House? Did he make a appearance with him at the at the um, Gershwin Prize? Uh, that I cannot answer. Yeah. I do not know that. But anyway, well, this is 
wow, tonight, I just have to say, there's a lot of good trivia that we're throwing A lot of good little nuggets in there, and here we are talking about the world's greatest love story. And you sit, sit there and people sometimes say, well, John and Yoko had a great love story too, but they were not like Linda and Paul and Linda, you know, uh, John and Yoko split up for a bunch of months where John went to LA with May Pang and, uh, and almost didn't go back to Yoko, but John, but Paul never separated from Linda except for 10 days when he was busted for a pound of weed. And so that, uh, was the only time he was separated from, his beloved Linda. And so I, I think I read a quote and I could be wrong. No one said this to me in an interview or anything, but I think they said the reason they liked to tour together and be together, they loved snuggling at night. Something to that effect. And I thought that was so beautiful. Well, that's very um, important. Snuggling is very it, important. This, <laughs> Thanks. This is wonderful. Have it you is. found that in your life? That's amazing. Yes. That's a very ascended male perspective. Yes, I can be my natural self. Dee Dee, we after the podcast, the three of us snuggle for about fifteen minutes afterwards. Chachi, Chachi insists upon it. I wish. How I wish I was there. I wish I was like a little lie in the room but um, yes well so we're talking to Didi Benray now Didi how can people find out about you do you want to give any uh, email address not email but uh, yes. website uh, how do people find out about the great Didi Benway oh thank you thank you by the way it takes one to know one so thank you oh that. thank you um, 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 I have a YouTube channel Didi Benray and that's spelled D-E-D-E-E and the new word, B-E-N-R-E-Y. And you can see a couple of classic and current clips on the YouTube channel. Recently, I've been doing some readings with an author by the name of Evan Anderson for his book, Down River, A Tale of Moving Film, A Tale of Moving Film Before Hollywood. And one of the characters I read for or about her line, Nell Shipman, who um, in the early 1900s, was one of the first female writers, directors, producers, and animal rights advocates in Hollywood, who before anyone was trying to um, advocate for the animals that were being abused on film sets, Nell Shipman decided no more. And on all of her movies, she decided that animals and people should um, work together. Right. So... The reason I just mentioned that is just an aside of what I'm doing now. But you could go to my YouTube channel. You can email me um, for any Comic-Con information at Lizzie the Warrior, L-I-Z-Z-I-E, the Warrior, at gmail.com. And you could also go to my Facebook page and, you know, message me. So um, are you coming the, back to Comic-Con? You mean the one in Boston? Yes. Um, we're talking about that. I just talked. To, um, an agent today who happens to be um, a booking agent, Loretta Switz agent, who's a vegan, who I had the pleasure of meeting in Framingham, Massachusetts, and we're all going to see what we can do about coming back to New England. Well, yes, I hope you I do because we'd we'd love to see you. But I interrupted a plug that you were giving out. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want you to lose Just, that. So, what were you going to say? No, oh, thank you. No, it wasn't a plug. D, um, new word Benry B E N R E Y dash vegan. Um, at Facebook 
Vichachi, is it possible to put any of this information on your site? Oh, we'll definitely do that as we when we oh, when we put a we'll, mm-hmm. we'll be putting it together and to promote it, we'll be providing links for our listeners, yeah. etc. And I can update it and let your listeners, your great listeners, your great audience, know about. I thought I would hear the. I would. Um, <laughs> I love that actually. Um, I will let you guys um, and let the audience know about the Comic Con. Yeah, it would be great to meet everyone. And it was interesting. It's one I did in Framingham. You know, my cast members was going, what are you doing? When I was doing signings and meeting people who, it was like they had seen the Warriors for the first time and were all excited. I was saying, are you hungry? Would you like a rice cake and some hummus? I was giving out food. Because, <laughs> because these conventions are really exhausting. I heard that some of them are now doing yoga, which I'd love to teach at one of the Comic-Cons. And fans who are paying a lot of money are so enthusiastic and spending, you know, a lot of money to get into these venues. It's really nice to share some good, healthy, simple veggie food with them. Yes. Just like you do. Well, I hope to. So maybe you're going to do that in your class, Professor. Well, um, uh, I do try to, uh, during certain phases when we're studying the Beatles, especially um, when we're uh, learning how uh, uh, George uh, is trying to turn them on to um, meditation and uh, have them initiated with the Maharishi. um, And we'll listen to some things with the lights low, and I hope that they can... Um, kind of find their center, you know. I mean, for several years, uh, Chachi can, you know, attest to this. Um, we would be part of the uh, uh, George Harrison tribute that takes place up here in Massachusetts every year, Harrowfest. Mm-hmm. And in New York. This one. Yeah. And uh, on the second day of the, uh, of the festival or of the celebration, there would be an early morning uh, yoga uh, session. Yes, and uh, I, my my wife took part in it once, and 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 uh, and really loved it. So um, I, I do want students to be able to sit and reflect on what it is that they're learning, and 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 in all aspects of their of their lives. So mm-hmm. I, I do try to um, have them sort of centered in the class, though I'm I'm certainly not any type of of uh, trained instructor or anything like that. Well, you know, professor, actually, I am a trained instructor. I know you. So I is. I would love to come up and do that sometime. That sounds awesome. And one of the things that you advocate, uh, D, is getting up early. And I do that. I The world's a different place when you get up at 5.30, 6 in the morning. And I do enjoy getting up early. And st- like I did this morning, I started my day at 6 o'clock, did a bunch How of work. How does it make you feel? I feel That's great. What we do here. Oh, I love it. The sunrise coming up, and you can hear Jerry the rooster in the barn crowing. <laughs> and. Uh, and so Aww. we open up the chickens early and we feed a couple of stray cats that come around. We always try to take care of them. We try to catch them as well. Uh, but I do get up early. And I know you're an advocate of that. Well, the point of it is to get up at what they call in yoga the hour of nectar. Um, isn't that beautiful? The hour of nectar. Mm-hmm. Scientifically, it's proven that the time before the sun rises is a time where the air is very filled or replete with more oxygen and more ozone. Mm-hmm. So you can take a breath and you could feel your whole body going, yes, you know, there's a lot more. What the ancient yogis called life force, life energy at that time of the morning. And the world hasn't beaten a path to your door. You get some time in nature. And with what's your rooster's name? Jerry the rooster. 
Jerry the Rooster. We, we all don't have Jerry the Rooster, but we can all get up a little earlier and just take a few moments to um, get centered before we take on the day. Yep. I know so many people who get up and then take on the day. And there's a beautiful saying, in Ita- an Italian saying, that goes, I hope I get this right, forgive me, it's not quite correct. From the rising of the sun, one can foretell the outcome of the day. Meaning how you begin your day is how the day is going to be. That's correct. If you start the day with a negative, it's going to be a negative day. So you try to stay positive, keep a positive outlook, because that sets the tone for the entire day. I agree with that. And it's interesting, just going back a second to the interview with Linda, I think when I walked into that interview, she already knew the tone was set to someone who was already a champion. Mm. So it was a love fest for that time that we were interviewing one another because the tone was set that we both admired what each other was doing. And um, that's really a lesson for all of us. And by the way, in ancient Kabbalah, um, mystical Judaic teaching, they say from the idea you give to something, how you set the course on any project, that's first thought. That is what will unfold. Um, and that's really a lesson for me, just hearing, reminding myself of hearing what you said about Jerry the Rooster <laughs> and how your day begins. It's true. It is true. Um, it is true. It, it, the, the beginning of a project, the beginning of a relationship, um, the beginning of anything. What is your intention? How, how do you want it to unfold? Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine just said, well, what's your end game? Well, another way of saying it is, what is your intention? Right. So, yeah. Wow, this this podcast is more than the Beatles. It's about life and greatness. And well, you guys, are just, I just have to remind you, you're both awesome. Well, you, and so is your audience. Well, you are fascinating. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you are very fascinating, Dee, to talk to. And uh, the very first time we spoke, I said, oh, we got to get Dee on this podcast and on my radio show. And... I think you've done a stellar job today in recalling the life of the great Linda McCartney. uh, And remember, the the great Linda McCartney, and I believe she is still there with all about, for all of us, it's not just an ideal, just doing something, um, and Paul has said that as an homage to her, just doing something to promote more compassion animals. Yeah, you know, in the notes that you sent me, you referenced a Beach Boys song, and you said that Stella yes. said in an interview that she, when she hears God Only Knows, uh, she tears up because she recalls her mom. And, yes, um, I, I don't, just heard that. Yeah, so, wow. That, by the way, that's a song that makes me cry. If you began saying that. Oh, look at this. This guy can pull up any song on a moment's <laughs> notice. <laughs> thank How you beautiful. isn't that beautiful our producer he's our spiritual leader and he is the owner and the uh the top guy at the boston podcast network we're blessed to have david yaz here and even more that so is an amazing song. it is amazing didn't song. paul didn't paul say greatest song ever or some such thing did i think say he that did about no. uh, yeah and head down somebody you know i said to someone that's I believe that was Paul is one of Paul McCartney's favorite albums of all time. Yes. Is that true? 
Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it, it was from that uh, it inspired uh, what uh, Robert Saul. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, yeah there's, there's some, some sort of a, there's some sort of little slippage there, but yeah. then. Uh, um, what really inspired him to outdo uh, the out the outdoing of Pet Sounds was was, was, was Revolver. Oh, Revolver! And okay. then and then Brian wow. wanted to sort of match that, and he just it, it broke apart for him yep. with smile, and he just couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, what a fast. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You go ahead. No, I was just going to. Oh, no. go ahead. I think we're having a love fest here. We all want to jump in and just go. And did you know this? And did you know that? Um, no, I was just talking about different tracks that I heard Linda McCartney. You know, and one thing about the internet now, you could find beautiful things. Um, you know, someone had asked her what her favorite Beatles song was. Would you guys guess? I told you Chachi in one scene. You did? Jesus, I can't what remember. Was, yeah, this is on a show she did with an interview show, I think, with Vicki Lawrence. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, Professor, you want to take a guess at what Linda McCartney's favorite Beatles song is? And at the time. At that time, right, being asked by Vicki Lawrence, and she would say what her favorite Beatles song was. Um, uh, I, I, I'll guess we can be. work it out. That's my favorite Beatles song. Oh. You're kidding. Yeah. I'm half right. <laughs> I Did, love, well, it's one of them. David? Uh, yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll guess Eleanor Rigby. D, do you know? Well, another favorite of mine. No, she said it was something a little more um, esoteric or exotic um, or abstract. Um, Baby, you're a rich man. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Well, that's a great song. Actually... And, and yeah, I'm working on a book called Vegetarian Chic: Why Beautiful People Choose a Vegetarian Way of Life, and oh. it's not beautiful and like beautiful. It, you know, it's based on all the interviews I've done and I'm going to do. It's beautiful in that, just like this song, and you guys can correct me, isn't Baby, I'm a Rich Man, where he goes, how does it feel to be one of the beautiful people? Yes. Yeah, so isn't he talking to the... David! She's talking. <laughs> <laughs> that... Isn't, um, it, thank you to David. He's amazing. Isn't that, isn't, it, isn't John Lennon saying, that they're listening that you guys are beautiful people. Yes, well, the story is that, you know, sometimes Paul and John would have snippets of songs and they'd put the snippets together and that's actually two songs, one by Paul, Baby, You're a Rich Man, and then John's line that he brought to the table was, uh, how does it feel to be one of the beautiful people? And they put it together and it became that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's in some ways it's, Melodic, it's instrument, interesting instrumentation, um, uh, and I do think that it's kind of a um, uh, a weird offspring, a better offspring, mind you, uh, from "All You Need Is Love" with the phrase swapping, and you know, uh, it's in a period where maybe I don't know that they were necessarily that fertile. I mean, you know, "Hello Goodbye" goes to number one. I still don't know why, um, but. Uh, it is it is interesting. I can't help though that John might be tweaking it a little bit, and being a little bit um, uh, being a little bit sarcastic with that about and, the beautiful people. And what I liked about that song, you have Paul playing bass as as if it's a lead guitar, right? You know, which is really interesting. Oh, nice, yeah. really. Yes. 
Well, D, we should wrap up. We've already hit an hour and, th and 30 minutes, and uh, we're so blessed to have you on the podcast tonight. Uh, what a great story. What a great a person blessed. you are. And uh, you're, you're living life the good way, and I, I appreciate all the good work you do for animals and just people living a good, healthy life. And, boy, it was fantastic to have you on our show tonight. God bless you, and thank you for coming God on our podcast. You when you're in and Boston, God bless the audience. thank you. And when you're in Boston, uh, we would love to see you. And um, anyway, Dee Dee Benray, you're the best. Thank you so much for such a fantastic, enlightening conversation and sharing your recollections of the great Linda McCartney. So, everybody, it's Chachi, Breakfast with the Beatles on Saturdays and Sundays, New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts. And get back to the Beatles on the Boston Podcast Network, as you know, or wherever you pick up fine podcasts. Professor Gallant, have a great day. David Yaz, thank you for the spiritual guidance. And again, Didi Benray, thank you for joining us today. And we really, really enjoyed it. So thank you again. Same here. Bless okay. all of you. God bless you and take care. We'll talk soon. And thank you all for joining us on Get Back to the Beatles. to check for the latest episode of Get Back to the Beatles with Chachi LaPrette at pod617.com. The Boston Podcast Network.